to Off Trail Learning. This is Blake Bowles. And this is Zen Zenith. Uh, Zen, what are you doing here? This is my podcast. Well, Blake, um, you know, you and I have been friends for a long time, and you asked me to come on and interview you on, on uh, this podcast. Yes. I did do that, didn't I? <laughs> it's all coming back. Wow, um, Zen, my lifelong friend from Not Back to School Camp, a prolific <laughs> podcaster himself, I am honored. Uh, I, me too. I mean, you you know, you always do sort of these nice blogs, um, these these life updates, and um, I think I think it's time that we do an audio version of that uh, sort of life update blog. And you know, today on the tenth anniversary of Unschool Adventures, um, it seems like a good time. It seems like a good time. <laughs> okay, I, I buy that. Let's talk about Unschool Adventures. Okay, that sounds like a good idea. I, uh, you know, there's, I know there's some big shifts coming up in the unschool adventures world that we're going to get to, and then I also have some questions for you that you may not be as prepared for as well. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever done this podcasting thing before, Zen? Uh, I think I heard something with your name on it. Was it called the House Show Show? What? Well, yes. <laughs> so oh, I, man. I'm a, I'm a professional podcast host. So, so hopefully, um, we can do this thing justice. I, I feel like I'm in good hands, and uh, and I love your podcast, by the way, Zen. It's awesome. I listened to an episode yesterday. It, you're a master. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. Um, so let's get straight to it. I The first thing I actually want to talk about just before we get into the Unschool Adventure stuff is not back to school camp, because that's where you and I first met. Yeah, that's right. I think we first worked together maybe in 2008, a long time ago. Yeah, and I, I, one of the things I was just curious about thinking back to that first time of you coming to not back to school camp is what what was it like because you know i i went to camp as a camper and then now i'm an adult unschooler and um i still work at camp occasionally and um what was it like coming into that world as someone who was not an unschooler you sort of came to camp um out of college right yeah it was about a year after getting out of school and I had just been really interested in the world of alternative education, but I was still working in the world of outdoor education, like taking fifth graders on hikes and pointing out deer to them. And not back to school camp was this total revelation. I've been working at this other summer camp uh, called Deer Crossing, this wilderness summer camp that's more traditional. And the thing that I remember blowing my mind most at not back to school camp was realizing that if I was tired, I could just go take a nap in the field. Like pretty much whenever <laughs> I needed to. And so like it was work, but not work. And all the teenagers were so cool. Right. They were fun to hang out with, fun to lead workshops for. And so I, I was immediately hooked. This is my first time meeting a group of more than 100 unschooled teenagers. I'd only really read about them before that. So it, it was huge. Yeah, the mythical unschooled teenager. The unicorn found in its natural <laughs> habitat. Um, what was it like coming in? To, like, what, what was the dynamic like that first year for you as as a staff person coming into a bunch of other staff people who were all previous campers and previous unschoolers and had like a sort of camp culture? And and what, how did it feel integrating yourself into that? Was it easy or was it was it awkward at first? Yeah, I know that that people looked at me with a skeptical eye because I've done that in the. In the past years, when a new instructor, uh, sorry, a new staff member has come in to not back to school camp. But also, I, I was already really a camp guy. I, I was already part of this camp culture. And I feel right. like that, that got me into the, the group pretty quickly. And I really loved all of the, the theory behind self-directed learning and unschooling. And, and I felt passionately about it the same way I do today. So it was a pretty seamless transition. 
Yeah, it, it felt seamless to me as well. And and that makes sense to me. You you sort of have a, a lot of experience of jumping into new groups of people and and uh, making yourself welcome, <laughs> like right off the bat, which is nice. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So the other thing, let's let's get into the Unschool Adventures here, because I remember when you started Unschool Adventures um, uh, at Not Back to School Camp. I remember you talking about it. And what was the seed for that idea? What where did that all come from? Uh, I wanted to get out of outdoor education, mostly because the turnover was so high. You'd have a group of students that came in on a Monday and leave on a Wednesday or a Friday. And then another group would come in immediately after that. And it just wasn't, it wasn't like summer camp uh, to the extent that you can develop these relationships with the young people that you're working with. I wanted to work with young people on a a longer term basis. So I was looking for jobs that would let me do this. And I found my dream job, which was a gap semester trip leader position in South America. Mm. And they want you to be 25. I just turned 25. They want you to be fluent in Spanish. Yes. They want you to have a wilderness first responder and even better, an emergency medical technician certification. Boom, had both of those. I, was, I just felt like I was perfectly qualified for this job. And so I applied. I interviewed. I got to the final interview round. I drove up to Portland, Oregon. And as I was waiting for the email back and just telling myself, like, yeah, this is the perfect job for me. I'm going to love this. Uh, you know, I finally got the email in 2008, and the guy said, sorry, we had 150 applicants for two spaces, and we didn't choose you. Ugh. And I, yeah, I was, I was sad, and I was sulking a little bit for a few days. And then I decided, you know what? I've always been interested in starting my own business, and I've had these little entrepreneurial dreams and schemes, and maybe this is the opportunity to do it. So I emailed the owner of this company back, and I said, hey, can you help me start my own trip leading company? Like, I won't really be competing for your same gap year kids. I'm going to try to see if I can do it with teenage homeschoolers and unschoolers because I work at this place called Not Back to School Camp. And these kids are so awesome. And they are often so heartbroken when the camp is done that they're just looking for more opportunities to connect and to get together with these other teenagers. And so I'm going to try to offer them this opportunity in a foreign country. And the owner of this company, it still surprises me to this day, said, yes, I'd love to help you start your own company. He helped me with the paperwork, with thinking about the legal stuff. And yeah, in a a matter of a couple of months, um, our mutual friend, Abby Miller, and I, who also works at Not Back to School Camp, we uh, collaborated to put together a six-week trip to Argentina in fall 2008. And Grace, who runs camp, graciously um, kind of sent a single email out to the whole Not Back to School Camp community. And we got enough young people to sign up. We got... uh, nine people to sign up for the trip and they weren't all from camp some of them came from the the greater unschooling web and and we had a trip and all of a sudden i had a company that's amazing so in true unschooler fashion you uh when you didn't get the opportunity you were like you know what i'll just make the opportunity myself <laughs> yeah what's the downside to sending that email to the guy yeah. who owns the company he's just not going to respond or he's going to say nope i don't have time for that or i don't do that and he said yes. Yeah, I can really relate to that, Blake, especially as someone who's done a lot of freelance stuff myself and also as a musician, too. I, I keep thinking about how so often with uh, in, the, in the music world, opportunities are hard to come by. And so a lot of times you have to create them yourselves 
as mm -hmm. well. So um, that's really cool. I, so for people who don't know, um, can you give a little rundown of exactly what Unschool Adventures is? Yeah, it's a trip leading company that works with a lot of teenage unschoolers, but you don't have to be an unschooler. You can be a homeschooler, an alternative school student. And we've had public school students also join every once in a while. Cool. Um, but I've essentially used this company as a way to travel and see the world for myself, to go to interesting new places or go back to places that I really love, like Argentina or New Zealand, and to offer an experience for 14 to 19-year-olds that gives them a lot more independence and responsibility than you would typically get on a teenage program. Because I remember doing a teen travel trip when I was in high school, and it was so tightly controlled. It was so micromanaged. Mm. Every single hour of the day was accounted for, and everything had to be educational. You know, we had to be learning about culture or history or being given a lecture by someone. And the parts that I remembered from that trip the most are the few hours when my friends and I got to go and explore on our own. And so oh, I, wanted to, yeah, I wanted to flip it upside down and, and make it mostly freeform exploration, which is a natural fit for unschoolers who are already uh, in charge of the bulk of their time each day and they get to follow their interests. Um, and this felt like something that would be a little bit more sustainable for me as a trip leader and for the other trip leaders who I hired because we are not in this constant 24-7 role of monitoring and educating and, and instructing. We get to have a little bit of personal space, too, which makes us more relaxed, more friendly, more you know, natural to be around. And so, yeah, in the same way that the, the teacher-student relationship drastically changes when you, you do something like unschooling, I felt like this just was a good fit. And nobody else was offering anything like this at the time. Um, at this point, there there was one other guy offering trips, and he kind of quit. And now there's another company doing something similar, um, but but still, there's not many people offering these kinds of trips during the school year uh, right. for homeschoolers and unschoolers. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it, it the the part of you getting to go and have fun too also just allows the teenagers that are with you to it, it lets you lead by example. They let to see how you yeah. are naturally and and emulate that. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, what was what was what, what was it like touring the world with a group of unschooled teenagers? What what were some like what were some of your favorite moments of that? Oh man, that first trip to Argentina was just a total eye opener. We did uh, two weeks of let's see Spanish classes and homestays in Patagonia. Then we did two weeks of kind of student designed travel where we gave them a budget and some ground rules, and they got to figure out the itinerary. And then the last two weeks we spent in Buenos Aires doing uh, living in two group apartments and taking tango lessons. And, wow. and so that's just one example of the very first trip. And some of the trips have been more outdoors focused, like the trips we've done to New Zealand. They um, have always involved a lot of hiking and camping. And there's been these funny moments where like, uh, like we rented a van to get our group from one spot to another because we couldn't, um, you know, find any public transport. And so we drove everyone there, but then I needed to take the van back. And so to get back to the group after returning the van, I had to hitchhike in New Zealand and my trip leaders, my co-leaders challenged me to wear a sombrero while hitchhiking. And so I found myself, <laughs> hit, you know, hitchhiking with a sombrero on, which actually really helps with hitchhiking. Um, <laughs> Does it? Why? I don't know. It's just a novelty. <laughs> right. Maybe it only works in New Zealand. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> That's a very New know. Zealand specific tactic. Yeah. And so 
a lot of the magic came from the planned activities, but there was a lot of unplanned moments too. On another New Zealand trip, um, we were volunteering at this farm and this lady had a bunch of old Range Rovers, you know, the, the big SUVs kind of sitting around her property, which she used to, to tow stuff around. And there was a number of 14 and 15-year-olds and some 16-year-olds in this group, all of whom were kind of getting ready to learn how to drive. And at some point, someone asked, hey, can we just like try to drive one of these cars? Because it's just wide open fields here. And I said, let's find out. And so we asked the woman. She said, sure, just, you know, you need to be in the car with them and stay in the field. And so I helped some of these teenagers learn how to drive for the very first time, but not just drive. Uh, This was a, a stick shift car but it was in New Zealand, so the stick shift, you had to use your left hand to do the stick shift because right. you're sitting in the, in the right seat. And so they learned, like, the most difficult possible uh, way to drive. And so we had an hour where everyone was taking turns sitting in the driver's seat and learning how to use a stick with your left hand. And when they would get it into first gear and then into second gear and, and start moving, they were just screaming with, with joy. Um, and that... I mean, I can keep going, Zen. There's a lot of stuff that happens on these trips that I kind of find out about a, a little bit later, or I don't know all the details because <laughs> because they get to go off and have this independent time. I mean, we have these these ground rules, you know, like tell us where you're going, tell us when you're leaving, take a cell phone. It's it's basic, be safe stuff. But uh, uh, just one more. I, I remember on a, one of the trips to to Buenos Aires. This was a tango themed trip, but. In some of their free time, um, a couple of the young women on the trip wanted to go to this theme park. It's a, a Jesus-themed theme park huh. in Buenos Aires. Yeah, it's wild. I've never been there, but I saw some photographs later. And they wanted to go there, and there's no easy public transport to get there. So they said, can we take a taxi? And I said, I want to make sure that you are, you're totally down on how to use a taxi and how to do it safely first. So we did some like test taxi rides. And they performed stellarly. <laughs> and then I said, all right, you're good to go. And I kind of saw them get into the taxi and they were gone for the whole day and they came back in a taxi that night. And, you know, the, the theme park was cool, but just getting to take a taxi in a foreign capital city on their own was this this huge experience. Yeah, that's amazing. The, yeah, those are just a few little little stories. Yeah, that's great. What are, I mean, so obviously there's a lot of great stories. What are What are some of the challenging things about running those trips? Uh, there's not too many big challenges. Okay. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that we do Skype interviews with everyone beforehand. And so mm. it's only the really prepared and motivated teens who are admitted onto the trip. And I'm really thankful for that because when I hear stories from other kind of group trips where you can just sign up and pretty much they'll accept you if you pay the money, there's a few more horror stories that comes out of those kinds of trips. Um, right. I, I'd say there is a general challenge of herding cats. Uh, you have a lot of, <laughs> of independent teens and you have a lot of teens who are, to, you know, they're used to being able to do stuff on their own at age 15. Right. And then they do have to agree to some of these basic rules. Like you need to travel in a group of three people if you're going out far into town. And for some of them, that feels kind of restrictive. And so there's a lot of freedom, but there also are some restrictions just because we need to take care of them as as minors. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so, well, let me ask you this, Blake. So there aren't that many challenges. It all sounds amazing. But 
I also know that you've mentioned a couple times that um, your heart doesn't really feel like it's in it right now. And, I, and I'm a little bit curious to know what what that's about and what what you're sort of seeing as the future of Unschool Adventures. Zen, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, over the past couple years, and especially this last year, I've just found myself a little bit more checked out as a trip right. leader. And I think that's because I've been doing it so long. This is the 10th year. Our first trip was in fall 2008. I just finished running a Spain trip in uh, summer 2018. And I feel like I've I've gotten pretty good at it. And even though we're still going to new places, I'm feeling like the challenge that I'm looking for isn't quite there anymore. Right. Um, and it's, so it's definitely not because of my co-leaders or because of the teenagers who are on the trips. Like they are all wonderful and they have been wonderful ever since the, the beginning of Unschool Adventures. Uh, so, yeah, it's more about me and just feeling like I need something new and a different kind of challenge. And also, to be honest, like when I started this at age 25, getting to leave and go someplace new for six weeks, sometimes longer, uh, was really sexy. Like that was <laughs> right. that was a great way to live. And and I love that all the way through my 20s and into my early 30s. And now 35, almost 36, I am uh, I'm becoming a little bit more of a stodgy adult. Blake, and, oh my god, you... I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> I can't believe Are I'm admitting you settling this in the podcast format. Well, uh, I am trying to to put the gears in motion so that I can settle down. Right. And so that means not having to up and go somewhere for multiple months, uh, multiple right. times a year. And uh, and I've always been interested in being able to do work from my computer, being truly location independent, and and my all the work that I do outside of Unschool Adventures has has been that. And so I'm trying to take it in that direction and continue working with, you know, young people, self-directed young people who want to do big, cool travel adventures, but do it in a way that I can have a sustainable adult life also. Yeah. That's always, it's such a hard balance to strike, but I, you know, I, I really relate to that as well. I think that, you know, even when you have your dream job, (laughs) <laughs> if you've been doing it for 10 years, sometimes it's it's easy to want to start looking to the to the next thing and, and have something new. Um, so I definitely understand that. I mean, I, I was a music teacher for a long time, as you know, and I'm currently taking a break from it, even though it was something I absolutely loved doing um, uh, for kind of that exact same reason. It's it was time for something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm so what. I assume that, you know, Unschool Adventures is not going to end uh, this year. What what is what is the future of Unschool Adventures look like with you sort of having that new focus? Yeah, I've had people tell me for a long time, why don't you hire other people to run your trips? And to be honest, I just have trust issues around that because there's there's so much going on. There's so many balls to juggle. And it's a lot of responsibility to take care of a group of other people's kids. I, well, and country. I and I think you have a very particular skill set that makes, um, and it requires a very particular skill set to run that kind of a trip. Yeah, and, and I'm very thankful for that first summer camp, that wilderness summer camp where I worked, because it instilled a very serious risk management ethic in me, and that will never leave me. 
Right. And so like safety is paramount. And yeah, it's hard to find people who kind of share that, that really serious um, uh, view of safety, but also can be a little bit lighthearted and fun right. and not be, you know, like uh, terrible people to be around for six weeks. So, uh, and, and I'm really not trying to just say like, oh, I'm the only one who can run these trips and nobody else could ever do this. <laughs> like, I, I know other people run great trips and I've worked with a lot of great co-leaders. And so I am starting to, uh, to work with a few people from previous trips to have them design and lead trips without me. And this cool. might work and this might not because I, I've done the... I've committed the great entrepreneurial sin of kind of building myself into the business too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been told by a number of people that, uh, you know, they don't want to run, they don't want to go on an unschooled adventures trip. They want to go on a trip with Blake. And while that's very flattering, uh, that's not very good from like a, a business expansion right. point of view. Yeah. So, uh, but I am going to give it a try. I'm working with um, a former co-leader from two programs, Ari to put together a New Zealand trip for late 2019 for teenagers 14 to 19. And so we're working on that right now. Uh, But the the big thing that I'm trying to do starting January 2019 is to work with 17 to 20-year-olds. So essentially the high school graduate age range um, to help people in this range develop and embark upon their first big solo international adventure. And so when I'm trying to offer something to the gap year crowd, people who find themselves looking at gap year programs, but saying, oh my God, these programs are so expensive. Like these programs, if you go for a semester for a full year, are anywhere from twelve dollars or $15,000 up to $30,000. It, yep. It's essentially like paying for a whole semester or a whole year of college. And uh, and so it's just out of the, the affordability range for a large number of people. Even though some of these organizations all are, offer scholarships, it's, it's hard to get them. Um, so people who are interested in gap years but can't afford or just don't want to invest in, in a really expensive program, but also are not yet ready to go off and travel by themselves at age 18 or 19. Like that sounds cool and intriguing, but – it's also very scary and it feels like you might get really lonely and there might be moments that overwhelming you. And yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Have you done this? Have you done some, some long-term solo travel? Oh yeah. I've done a little bit, but then also I was just, the as you were saying that I was realizing, man, I could use that for my life. <laughs> like right, anytime. Consideration. Any, yeah. Anytime you're, anytime you're, you know, striking out to do something on your own, you know, even even when you're a highly motivated, self-directed individual, it can be so useful to have someone who um, is helping keep you on track or just giving you guidance. So, yeah, and, and that's essentially what the idea is. It's like a coaching and guidance service where I will work one on one with the young person to help them kind of take their fuzzy ideas about where they might want to go, where they might, you know, what, what they might want to do there. And use all this experience I have from 10 years of planning unschool adventures trips. Like, that's a lot of research and design. Yeah. Um, plus, as you know, Zen, I travel a lot in my, my own personal life. And so I've got that experience to draw upon also. And so I'm trying to take that all and create this guidance and coaching service, but also have a community aspect. And so connect all of these young adults who are coming 
to take the individual adventures program into this online community where there's uh, weekly um, video chat meetings, and that will allow them to have this network of support, meet potential travel buddies, people who you might want to collaborate with or meet up with in a foreign country, and who can cross-pollinate and inspire each other, um, and also you know kind of give each other help when when times are hard because you you encounter a lot of difficult situations going out uh, and doing. Uh, solo travel. And uh, solo travel doesn't mean like trying to do everything by yourself. It means fundamentally you are setting out by yourself, but you're out there to make friends. You're out there to make new connections, but fundamentally the buck stops with you. And so, yeah, the one-on-one with me plus the community with this like-minded group of peers, I'm hoping will, uh, will fill a niche that I'm not quite sure if it exists or not. Like this whole (laughs) thing is so tenuous Zen and it feels like starting Unschool Adventures again in the beginning right. because we didn't know if there was any market for these kinds of trips. They didn't really exist. And now I'm I'm doing it again. But it, it's like I'm not 25 and like happy to sleep in the back of my car. I'm still I'm still happy to sleep in the back of my car every once in a while. Yeah, I'm sure you still but, do. <laughs> yeah, but it's like the stakes are a little bit higher now. I, I really want to make this work. and uh, But I still want to, to, to do something different. So I don't know, man. What what do you think? What would you bet? Is this going to work? Am I going to get enough signups? I <laughs> I would bet. Be honest, Sen. Be I would, honest. I would bet that it's going to be a rousing success. Um, man, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'm I'm curious. Is this uh, this is all falling under the umbrella of Unschool Adventures still? So that's a good question because I've got this audience that I've built up. And, and it's, it's a valuable thing. I, I, that's really the only asset that I have with Unschool right. Adventures. And I've used that, for example, I, I'm no longer able to run these writing retreat programs, which we did for multiple years. Um, but my friends, Dev and Marion over in Western Colorado, they run a, a program called the High Desert Center. They have the capacity to run a writing retreat. And so this year, I just essentially helped oh, awesome. them yeah, write the, make a new webpage for the writing retreat that they would host on their own. And I promoted it for them, and now they have an almost full program. So the audience is a valuable thing. I don't just want to close Unschooled Ventures down and and disappear. So um, for now, it's going under the banner of Unschooled Ventures. And even though this program, Individual Adventures, can serve non-homeschoolers and unschoolers, this is something that any high school graduate could do. So that, that broadens the potential number of young people who are wanting to travel but not quite sure how to do it you know that that broadens the market in a big way but uh but yeah fundamentally this is about being a self-directed person it's about taking big independent steps while having a supportive community so it still feels good to make it an unschool adventures thing right that's a huge adventure i mean that's that's yeah, that's been my big adventure <laughs> for a lot of my life. So yeah. I, I think that's very appropriate. You, you know, one thing that hadn't occurred to me, Blake, is I didn't realize that you sort of associate starting Unschool Adventures with your sort of the start of your entrepreneurial bug. Because I've always thought of you as someone who's like really entrepreneurial. Um, and I, I'm curious, you know, all of this is awesome. You're creating all of these great programs for teenagers. But I also think that there's, um, you're actually also a really incredible example for adults as someone who has um, crafted their own work and lives this life of like very intentionally created um 
yeah, a very intentionally created career with very intentional work. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. What what is it like living your living your life this way? <laughs> what what are some of the, like the tips and tricks you'd give to other people looking to do the same thing, teenagers or adults? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. And second of all, I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> uh, tips and tricks. Uh, what is this? A BuzzFeed article? I uh, Yeah. Can you give me your uh, top 10, please? Yeah. Yeah. Top 10 Blake life advice. Well, let me, let me just, let me phrase it a little bit differently. What, okay, okay. what, what are, what are, you know, what makes you want to continue on this path of, of building your own companies this way what what is exciting about this to you and why this yeah. rather than working for someone else yeah okay well first of all i would consider working for someone else like there are parts about being self-employed as i'm sure you know that are yep. so difficult and unsavory that uh in fact my friend ken danford who started north star the center for teens out in in western massachusetts he had this great quote um that i put into my book the art of self-directed learning he said uh, yeah, being a self-directed learner is kind of like being self-employed. And sometimes you just wish you could have your 40 hour a week job back. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, and so th- there is a big parallel between the whole unschooling thing and, and the entrepreneurial thing. And I think what, what makes me stay in it, despite the fact that like I earn so much less money than like people in my same kind of age and class demographic and people who went to to UC Berkeley, you know, I'm just like this this uh, kind of pathetic outlier when it comes to uh, finances. Uh, but <laughs> the fact that I've had this life that is totally my own and it's my story and nobody else has done anything quite like this. And if I succeed, then I own the success. And if I fail, then I, I own that failure. Like it's all part of my story. Right. Like just this feeling of ownership over my life has been so empowering and this feeling of of freedom and and i've taken advantage of that freedom to to live lots of different places to see foreign countries to have this big diversity of experiences like it's just been such a fun ride um yeah and the challenge is you know figuring out how to take this into the next phase of life so that i can have something that looks like a family and looks like a somewhat more stable income that does not require me uh you know crossing international borders multiple times a year right What are, I, I, you know, one of the things I was, you know, before we got on the call here, Blake, I was noticing or I was browsing through your websites and all of your online articles and it's all, I, and by the way, nice job with the Not Back to School Camp website. I know that Thank was you. your work Thank as you. well. Yeah. Um, and you're, you have this whole online persona and also online sort of like, um, like library of not just books and things you've written, but also websites and projects and now videos as well. What, um, it, how is it managing all of that? And, and what is it like being a brand online on social media rather than like, you know, how do you deal with sort of your interactions with social media, like balancing it with like, Oh, I have to present as a business and I have to present as a person. Um, how do you how do you work through all of that? Yeah, the social media part is easy. Uh, I just I am myself. I am myself on Facebook, and there is no brand. There's no, you know, every <laughs> once in a while I post about a trip or some new project or crazy idea that I'm I'm trying. But but the Unschool Adventures Facebook page is quiet as a graveyard. You know, I don't maintain any Twitter accounts. Uh, Instagram 
I, I post when we're on trips and otherwise completely ignore it because right. I find Instagram totally distasteful. And and so I have no real social media discipline, Zen. <laughs> and I just happen to have this incredible network uh, on Facebook of mostly like cool homeschooling moms, yeah. something I would have never imagined myself to have, you know, uh, if, whatever, 15 years ago. And and they are like super helpful in connecting me to cool people and cool opportunities. Just last week um, for this new talk that I'm giving at alternative schools and, and self-directed learning centers on this little speaking road trip that I'm doing this year, I was looking for some fresh stories about, about teenagers who quit high school and it really made a big positive difference in their lives. And so I just threw the question out there like, hey, I'm looking for some stories. And I immediately got three really high quality responses. And I used them in my very first talk that I gave on this this fall stretch of the tour uh, yesterday here in Lake Tahoe. And they were a big hit. And so, um, yeah, f- social media has been something that has been much more instrumental in, in connecting me to, to, I don't know, friends I haven't made yet. And right. people who are, who are kind of fighting for the same cause. We're all under the same banner. And uh, it's been wonderful, but really, I I only exist on Facebook. Um, well, and- I just I, I just want to say that you I I you say all that, but I also actually think your your online presence is rather good. Um, I you know your I I think the really nice thing, Blake, about the content you post is that it's always very. Um, thoughtful and useful it doesn't ever feel like you're posting just fluff for the sake of posting fluff um and you know you've got some really great articles that you've written one of my favorite recent ones you did was uh how to quit parenting um Mm -hmm. i really love that one and then um you also will just share really great uh quotes um there was a great one you did recently um you shared about uh kids and screen time and like uh, how kids are drawn to wanting that Minecraft experience because they're not able to get that sort of freedom in real life anymore. Um, Yeah, that was a Peter Gray quote. That was a good one. Amazing. I loved it. Um, And then one of my favorite things you've been posting recently are the videos that you've you've done. You have this you did three of them, right? Did four of them in total. Four of them. That's right. And my favorite one, by the way, is the one. Uh, it was. It's titled "To Fix Education, Make It Consensual." Um, I absolutely love that, and I want you to know I shared all of those videos. So right now I'm working at a company called Lyft, um, and I actually got something that may be interesting to your audiences. One of the things that got me hired at Lyft was that my manager loved the fact that I was an unschooler, and he, when he hired me, he even sort of said to me, "You know, I'm hiring you because of your unschooling background and your yeah. and your ability. I I know that you're going to be able to come in and like take ownership of these projects and like." really push for them and be, be autonomous. Um, and so he's really interested in unschooling. Um, he's, he's thinking about unschooling his kids now because he met me. Um, and I've been sharing your videos with him as well and he's been loving them. So just so you know, those are, those are a big hit. What, what was it like creating those and, and, uh, who did you work with to create them? Uh, it was a nightmare. Let me tell you, <laughs> I am so terrible behind uh, the, the video camera. It is, it is shocking. I shocked myself. Uh, <laughs> but somehow my, my friend Addison, who also went to not back to school camp, went yeah. on a couple of my trips and who I hired to be the, the media guru on a, a big trip we did in his, 2015. His, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but his first, yeah. uh, 
Addison's first advisee group and not back to school camp was my advisee group. Oh my gosh. I love Addison. Well, well played, Zen. You, uh, you pushed him in the right direction. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I went up to Seattle this spring and worked with him to produce these videos. And we originally thought, yeah, we can, we can crank out 15 videos. <laughs> it was like so obvious from day one that like I just had to do so many takes yep. just to say two sentences correctly. And then he would always say, all right, Blake, turn up the enthusiasm by another 10%. And I was like, really? I'm so enthusiastic already. He said, no, you're not. Not behind the camera. You're not. Oh, my God. Uh, so I paid him and it took a week to do this. And I'm so in awe of everyone who makes cool, polished YouTube videos. I'm yeah. like, hands down, you are all gods. Um, but this was, yeah, just like another side project. These were some topics that are really close to my heart, stuff that I've been thinking and writing about ever since I discovered alternative education in college. And uh, yeah, the other ones were about how to become a badass homeschooler. Uh, one was about how unschoolers get into college and uh, and then why you should stop going to high school if you're bored there, if you hate it there. And so none of this is any new stuff. I'm just trying to do it in a new medium. And and those articles that I've been writing, I'm just taking these books that I like to read anyways, like parenting and education books. Um, the one that uh, you said that you liked, that was uh, a summary and, and review of the book, The Idle Parent, which was written number of years ago by this English guy, Tom Hodgkinson. And these are books that I just find interesting. And I decided I'm going to start writing about them as I'm reading them because, you know, with this entrepreneurial thing, if you don't really know where to go next, you just got to work on a bunch of little side projects. That's, that's my belief. And so the writing, the podcasting, uh, the videos, some online courses that I've been playing with, these have all been little side projects. And I'm kind of waiting to see which one feels the best and which one maybe has some potential to, to become a, a money-making thing. And some other things I think I'll, I'm going to keep doing forever and ever, even though they never make me any money, like writing my email newsletters. I just love those. I'm about to, as soon as we finish recording this, then I'm going to publish this and then I'm going to send it out in my August email newsletter. Like I love writing those. I'll do that forever and ever. <laughs> I, I want you to know that your email newsletter is the only email newsletter that I read. <laughs> Come on, that can't be true. There's no, some good I, email newsletters out there. No, well, there may be, but I am certainly not subscribed to them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like a lot of times when you subscribe to an email list, it's sort of useless or it runs on too long. Or And yours, yours are very concise and to the point. And I'm not just saying this because I'm hosting your podcast right now. Okay, okay. Um, You're I, not being compensated for this, to be Yes, fair. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I really do like them, man. I think, I think they're really, really cool. Um, and, and practical. They're really useful, the information in them. You know, the way I sort of think about it is, you know, Blake, you're sort of doing a service like a, a DJ used to do for music back in the day, back in the, the old days of, of DJs. Um, <laughs> the 90s. But, you know, back in the day when you consumed music, you you would have a gatekeeper. You would have someone who was a tastemaker who would sort of serve you, hey, this is the stuff I think is cool. And you would follow DJs or record labels based on their taste. And, and you know, the work you do is very similar in that, in that I'm following you, engaging with you because I trust your taste and you're serving me information I'm interested in, um, uh, sort of all the best pieces of it. Um, and so I, I, think it's, I think it's awesome. And um, kudos to you. 
Thank you, Zen. And by the way, what you do with the House Show Show podcast, like finding all these tiny artists I would have never heard of, Spotify would have never put them onto my <laughs> Discover Weekly feed. Uh, like you bring these to my attention. So you serve this curation uh, kind of service also as, as a public service to the world. So uh, thank you for the inspiration, the yeah. ongoing inspiration. Yeah, man. I, I, I believe strongly in in the human <laughs> The human uh, uh, tastemakers as opposed to uh, getting all your stuff through the algorithm. Um, but that's really cool. So you so there, it sounds like there's a lot of balls in the air right now. What are what are some of the things coming up for you that you're excited about or, or that people should know about? I'm going on the speaking tour. Uh, I did it in on the West Coast this spring with uh, a talk that where I talked about lots of different things, and especially I talked about parenting. And this is the first time I've ever talked about parenting in a public speaking kind of way, which is a bit intimidating because I have no children. I've just been yeah. like a surrogate crazy uncle to uh, a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> and uh, and so that's got to be worth something. But yeah, fundamentally, I don't have the, the, the full parenting experience under my belt. Uh, but reading a lot of these books about parenting has helped kind of build the credentials and uh, and I'm I'm doing something new this fall. My talk is called "Yes, You Can Quit Traditional High School and Everything Will Be Okay." Mm. And what I'm trying to do, um, and what I did this spring was, uh, I've been partnering with these small alternative schools like Democratic Free Schools and self-directed learning centers, like one similar to North Star. And uh, you know, often these are small organizations that are always looking for more people to sign up. They're looking for more exposure, and. I have this, you know, small but not in, insignificant kind of national platform through the email list and through Facebook. And so I take my tiny little audience and I combine it with their, you know, like an alternative school's tiny little audience. And when our powers combine, we can actually get a decent turnout sometimes. Right. So I'm trying to get new families in, especially the families of uh, – the parents of teenagers and soon-to-be teenagers who are seeing school not really working for their kid and are looking for alternatives but are still really skeptical. So that's kind of who the, the talk is aimed for. It's trying to get new blood into these little alternative schools and self-directed learning centers. So that's that's happening this whole fall. Um, and no more videos then. I'm sorry to break your heart. <laughs> My but, heart is broken. I love those yeah. videos. I, and well, I, I, I traumatize myself too much. <laughs> I need some recovery time. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna in in a couple months, Blake. When you least expect it, and you're you finally uh, gotten the uh, the bad video blood out of your system, uh, we're gonna revisit this one. Okay, but you and I are both going to star in them. That's the deal. Oh no! Oh yeah, yeah. Being in front of the camera Skin is the hard. I very, yeah. I very relate. Okay, um, podcasting. This is episode number forty-seven of this podcast. It was the Real Education Podcast originally. Yeah. Some sweet Zen Zenith intro music, and then it turned into Off Trail Learning, and that's the the name I'm keeping. And like, I love this so much. Uh, and as long as I can find time, you know, a couple hours here and there to to do an interview, I will do this for as long as I can, because it's just an excuse to talk with fascinating people yep. in the world of alternative education. And uh, I have not gotten tired of it. And and podcasts, even though there's a bajillion podcasts out there, like everyone and their uncle and their dog has a podcast now. Uh, there's still not a lot of podcasts in this little niche realm of 
of kind of highly alternative education and unschooling. Right. There, there's a few out there, but I feel like I'm still offering something unique. Um, so yeah, that will continue. I think I'll keep writing those articles. Uh, I'm kind of done with online courses and like I've had this, <laughs> this little fleeting dream that you've known about because I've tried to recruit yep. you to help me design them. And, and the fundamental problem, which I've known since day one, is that everyone loves the idea of building an online course and making money from an online course. And nobody really wants to take online courses. Yep. Like, sure, I, I know some people out there make money from online courses, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be that guy. And so I, I, I've got this little thing I created last year called Launchpad, which is about it's kind of like a productivity three-week email-based course for self-directed learners. And like every once in a while, somebody buys that through Unschool Adventures, and that feels nice. But uh, I, I think it's a false dream then. And yeah, well, you and I have had a, we we had a I believe a Starbucks and a Red Robin meeting about this. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's true, and, and that's only because we were stuck in Rose Roseburg, Oregon. Okay? Yes, we do on not a day off from not back Red to school Robin. camp. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely it was definitely a uh, we just we we were visiting town and we and we needed uh, to to grab that burger. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we. Um, We've talked about this, and I, I totally agree. I was I I helped uh, build an online course for someone, and um, yeah, the exact same thing. I think I think there's a lot of talk about people making money off of doing that as sort of a passive income style thing, and I think the reality is is it's I don't know for me. I know if, I I always look at online courses, and I'm like, oh, I could do this, I could do that, and then ultimately it's. It, it just isn't as appealing as going somewhere and learning with a community. And yeah. I also think so yeah. much of the value of education or at least um, of structured education is uh, the people that you meet when you're doing it. Um, and, and it's, you know, you can obviously meet people online and forums and stuff like that, but it's, it's different than being face to face with someone. Completely agree. And that's one thing that makes me a little bit skeptical about running these independent adventures. Right. Um, starting next year, like I think there's people who see clear value in their 19 year old getting to work one on one with me to develop a really like cool, balanced, kind of risk managed travel plan for their first time going out of the country by themselves. But, um, you know, bringing together that online community through just weekly video chats, it's hard to get people to show up and to be super enthusiastic on video chats. Yeah. Ugh, so that's going to be a challenge going down the line. Uh, but so if you had to to ask me what I'm most excited about, it's definitely um, the speaking tour because I get to meet people face to face and the Q&A sessions are always fun. Um, the podcasting and writing. Um, and, and I've got one more writing project that's happening right now, which is really, really exciting. I feel like like a great honor has been bestowed upon me, <laughs> which is that the one and only Grace Llewellyn, uh, founder of Not Back to School Camp yes. and author of the Teenage Liberation Handbook, which did, was that a big influence on you when you were younger or do you find it later? That's a great question. I, no, it wasn't really. I, you know, I was raised as an unschooler from, from birth. So, um, you know, I was an unschooler before my parents even knew what that word meant. Um, and it, so so it didn't have the same impact on me that I think it had on a lot of my friends who yeah. were in school and then left. Um, but that being said, I, you know, Grace 
I love Grace and Grace has changed my life through Not Back to School Camp in, in many ways. And I, you know, that's, I mean, you know, that book is legendary. So I, um, well done, Blake. <laughs> well, I, I haven't even gotten to the punchline yet here. <laughs> yeah. So that book was a huge influence on me in college and I've pointed so many people in its direction. And I've, as a writer myself, I've often talked with Grace and said, so, you know, what, what's the future of the Teenage Liberation Handbook? <laughs> and, you know, she has these these huge plans for it, and she just doesn't have the time yep. to to execute on those plans. And at last year, I wanted to order a copy of it off of Amazon for my little sister who was going into her junior year, and uh, it was not available on Amazon. Mm. And I said, "This is an unacceptable situation. Like, first of all, this book needs to be print on demand uh, because you know." Right now, it's it's in that self-published book limbo where you have to order copies of your own book and then ship them to Amazon and accept returns and all that BS. And so um, my two self-published books are both print-on-demand, yeah. which means somebody orders it, a single copy is printed and shipped, and you don't have to ever touch a book again. It is you know the way that self-publishing should be done. Yeah. So um, that – and then also the Teenage Liberation Handbook was written in the early 90s, and it's – it's full of all these resources that are very analog. Uh, it's a full of a bunch of, you know, references to books and to magazines that don't exist anymore. And essentially all those resources, Grace agreed with me, need to be taken out and just dumped onto an online, you know, directory. That can be and then, Yeah. And then you slim down the book and you just have the really great content where it's like, this is why school might not be good for you. This is what you can do instead. Here's how you do it. And so Grace has agreed to hire me to be the editor of the third and final edition, the ultimate edition of the Teenage Liberation Handbook. Yeah, that's And great. so, yeah, I'm, I'm working with her to, to make those changes to the manuscript and get it out there again. Cool, Blake. That's awesome. What about um... – do you have any of your own books that are, uh, you know, you have a couple books online, and I and I love your work as well. Um, anything in the uh, in the pipeline? I have not had a new book in me for a number of years, and it's uh, it's something I'm just living with. And <laughs> it, you know, I, I wouldn't want to force one out. That would be a painful birth, and it'd probably be an ugly baby. Yeah, <laughs> and and so I, I'm I'm getting the writing bug out by doing these articles. Um, I've been writing for the Alliance for Self-Directed Education, which yeah. is this new nonprofit that I think is definitely worth supporting. And so I'm just writing for free for them. And yeah, so maybe eventually I'll take this stuff and turn it into another book, but no plans right now. Right on. Right on, Blake. Well, this has been really fun. Is there anything else that you feel is worth sharing with uh, with your audience before we uh, wrap it up here? Uh, I... I would just love to hear from anyone who feels some uh, some parallel tracks in their lives to mine. Like, I think it's it's always interesting to talk to people who are trying to um, make a living working for a, a fairly idealistic cause, right? And and that's the category I see myself in. And and I don't know if I'll be able to make it work. Like, maybe these independent adventures. We'll never gain critical mass. Maybe there won't ever be another book that's worth writing. And maybe I'll just need to take a job doing something else. 
And you know what? If that's how it has to be, that's fine. But but I would love to continue existing in this space for as long as possible because it's where I feel most natural. It's where I feel at home. Yeah. And and I kind of came up with this job description for myself uh, last year, which is I'm an advocate for self-directed learning. And like, if I can just find an organization who has a job <laughs> opening for an a full-time location-independent advocate for self-directed learning, that would be awesome. Uh, not holding my breath for that one, Zen. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, just if there's anyone out there who is in uh, a similar boat and you've been kind of struggling with the same challenges of trying to be self-employed and do something that's still kind of idealistic and and you found a, a way to make it work, like I'd love to hear from you. So email me, okay? Yours truly at blakebowls.com. <laughs> right on. I, I think, you know, I feel like the space that you occupy, Blake, is only going to grow because I think, you know, when I was growing up, unschooling and alternative education were really fringy and, and were had a lot to were really focused on uh, on education and, and uh, growing up. And then um, none of it really applied to adults. But I feel like in the modern world, a lot of the like the philosophy around alternative education, self-directed learning um, are things that. Uh, workplaces and uh, just people in general are starting to like take on as just rules for living. Um, mm -hmm. So I, mm -hmm. I, I, I see a lot of opportunity for you to keep doing what you're doing. Okay. Well, that's inspiring. Zen, please, uh, please email me Zen at yours truly at Blake Bulls. <laughs> I'll send that feedback right over after okay, we're done here. I appreciate it. Right on Blake. Uh, this has been so great, Zen. I love talking to you, my dear friend. It is a blast to get to come on and host um, RIP, the Real Education Podcast, now off-trail <laughs> learning. Um, <laughs> and uh, when are you going to come visit me next? Uh, I'm about to leave tomorrow. It's, uh, it's mid-August right now. I'm about to leave for this epic-length backpacking trip oh, in the so California fun. High Sierra. It's like two weeks uh, totally off trail. It's kind of in the same vicinity as the John Muir Trail, but up in the high country. And so let me get through this first scent. Then I'll come visit you in San Francisco. Okay. That sounds like a deal. Okay. <laughs> All right, Blake. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. How do you usually sign these things off? I, I don't have a formal sign off. I just say thank you. And the other person says thank you. And then we cut it. That sounds perfect. Um, well, Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for hosting, Zen. Bye. Anytime, Blake.